You're listening to Making a Living Show. I'm Roby Levy. Hi, I'm Rick Clem, and I make drums for a living. Rick Clem's passion for drums began as a musician playing in orchestras and bands while majoring in orchestral percussion at UBC. But he also had a passion for woodworking, which he learned from his father, a master craftsman in his own right. It wasn't until his retirement that Rick combined both his passions and began creating his unique brand of handcrafted wooden drums. Here's my chat with Rick Clem. Who are you and what do you make for a living? Uh, my name is Rick Clem and I'm the owner, founder and builder of Clem Drums. Uh, I, also, um, I also teach drums and uh, I also play semi-professionally. So how'd you get started making drums? This was probably the last thing I ever thought I would ever do. I did a, just a little background. I did a, a Bachelor of Music from the University of uh, UBC in orchestral percussion and then uh, a couple of years of math and then I did a, a teaching degree. Um, after that, my wife and I, we started having children. So I had to have a 10-year hiatus from playing the drums because kids take up a lot of time. And uh, then, I, then when I got back into it, I had this um, old Ludwig drum set. And it was a big rock set and it didn't really suit my needs anymore. And I had, I had been out of the loop for a long time. And so I just started going to the stores and looking around. And, and the drums in the stores were beautiful, but they were just kind of like cookie cutter drums. And uh, I like having things that other people don't have. I had an old Airstream that I modified. Airstream, one of those Airstream trailers. And I built my own cabin cruiser boat just because no one else has one like that. How did you know how to build a boat? Oh, you just read a book. And, and then, you, then you start building. <laughs> you read a book and then you start building and just take it from there. <laughs> just one, one piece at a time. One piece at a time. And so and I built that boat because no one else has one like it. Someone told me, I don't know where I read this, if you do what everybody else does, then what do you have to offer? So uh, I kind of used that as my motto and I taught that to my kids. So I started looking around and I went online. I thought, well, maybe I should just try to build my own drums. And that is a lot easier said than done. Oh, really? You can say it's a lot easier than a boat. Oh, no. Uh, Well, no, uh, a a boat can be, they come with plans (laughs) and drum builders don't give up their secrets very easily. So I I started building drums. How many years ago? Seven, eight, six, I don't know, less than, less than 10 less than 10 years ago. So I started building them and it just didn't go well. Uh, <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of the drums just went into the fireplace. All right, well, tell me, how, how do you actually make a drum then? How can it not go well? Because as far as I gather, and I've been around a lot of drum sets, it, it's, a, it, it, it's a cylinder and then it's got skin on it. Like, how yeah. tough is it to build a drum? Well, um, well, first of all, there are, from my know, uh, there are three different types of wooden drums there are. There, you have what they call a stave method, which is like building a stave ba- barrel, and that's what I predominantly use. And then there's also the ply method, which all the big manufacturers use. Uh, they just they just laminate a bunch of plies together. And then and then there's a steam bent method, where it's a single ply, and they take uh, a piece of wood and they just bend it around and glue it together. So what is the stave method? How does that actually differ? Uh, well, um, with a steam bent, the grain goes horizontal, and a stave goes vertical. Okay, and what's the benefit of stave then? Well, the, I can build those uh, with um, ply. You you need special jigs, special equipment to do it. It can be done. You can make your own jigs. Um, with steam bend, uh, I'm going to probably get into doing some of those later on. Um, you need special equipment to build that to to be able to bend it because bending half inch chunk of wood is not it doesn't bend easy. Right. 
So uh, I'm going to probably get into that in the next few months. And uh, But with Stave, you glue the pieces together, and then you put it on a turning machine, which I had to build that because you just can't buy this stuff at Home Depot or any other, any other place. So I built a turning machine, and then I turn it. Then you have to make what they call the bearing edge, where the, the head of the drum or the skin of the drum touches the shell. And there are different, there are sharp bearing edges, there are round over bearing edges. And then for a snare drum, you have to have what they call the snare bed, where the the wires underneath the drum are in contact with it. So it has to be indented a little bit so they have good contact with it. And then there's the finishing of the drum. Then you put the lugs on. Then you have to decide what kind of rims you want to put on. You can put uh, steel rims, die cast rims on there. I like putting wood rims on mine. I make the wood rims because I like the sound of them, but wood rims aren't for everybody. And there's different different sizes, and you can you could quickly build a drum. And anything that is built quickly looks like it's built quickly, as opposed to something that has been taken. You take your time. Your finishing is you do your finishing really well. Most people from uh, most people will look at what the drum looks like. That's the number one. And then there's other people that they don't really care what the drum looks like, and they just want to have a nice sounding drum. Well, and talk to me about the sound. You, you've spoken about the wood that comprises the outside and the cylinder. What do you use uh, as the skin? Um, I have uh, I got one set that uses calf skin, but that those are those are very pricey. They're a little bit more temperamental than mostly. They're they're the plastic head. They're made of plastic and different thicknesses, different coatings on top. Uh, some have double ply heads with their there's two pieces that are put together. I like a single ply head. It all depends on the style that you play. So roll back with me for a second. You always love playing drums. You've played all your life except for the hiatus with your kids. And then you got back into it and you thought, hey, you know, why don't I start making these things? Yeah. Why? See, I guess I'm curious why you would start making your own drums as opposed to finding somebody who's already making a drum that you do like. So somebody who, you know, isn't necessarily in the stores. Like there must be other drum makers out there, right? Oh yeah, no. There's there's a uh, um, there's a few out there. I just didn't know who they were at the time, so I didn't I didn't know about that whole culture. So um, uh, a couple of really good friends of mine, uh, uh, Ron Dunnett, who's probably the Yoda of drum building, uh, Jeff Woods, another good friends of mine, friend of mine. I didn't know these guys existed. Had I did, things might have been different. <laughs> probably a lot easier in the beginning, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I would have probably just got one from one of these guys. <laughs> who knows? I don't know. I don't know. But it was. Um, there was it was a challenge. You, you've met these guys now. Like, how did you come across them? Was it through markets and selling stuff? I mean, how did you guys cross paths now that you're buddies? Uh, my friend Ron, he um, he saw my drums in a drum shop, and he called me up and he just asked me why I was using a certain product in it, uh, the snare throw. He's a no nonsense guy. He's used from the hip, and I said, I don't know, I just just like it. And so he said, uh, Come on by and have a look at what I have. So I went and looked at his stuff, and it's really nice and a good guy. So I, buy, I use his stuff. He's, a, he's an innovator. He's an innovator in the drum world, and he builds really nice hardware, and his drums are great too. So, yeah. As a drum layperson, how, how does one innovate drums? I mean, obviously, there's what we can make the, the, the cylinder out of the, the, the body of the drum, and there's obviously the plastic that, that you're using as a skin. But how much innovation can happen? I mean, drums are one of the oldest instruments, obviously, on earth. Mostly in, in the hardware, the, the metal parts. Like you have um, like the bass drum pedal for one thing is... Uh, uh, those are always improving how the drum mounts onto the bass drum, the drum mounts, uh, the snare throw where you can turn the snare off and on on a snare drum. Uh, that's what I use of his. 
is a snare throw. And I just like it the way it works. My, my drumming friends like it. So I just, I just use it. And also, you know, let's keep the, uh, keep the business local. Oh, so these guys are all nearby. Yeah, actually, but Ron lives about a 10-minute walk from me. And you never knew each other existed until you actually started and initially failed making drums. It's a, such a strange story because uh, we grew up in the same city, and he played drums in that city in Regina. And I saw him play when I was about 18 or 19, but I didn't know him. I just remember him playing because he's a, he's a lefty. He plays opposite uh, to what I play. And I noticed that. I go, wow, it's a southpaw. And then when we met each other later on, I asked him, was that you playing in Wascana Park? He said, yeah, that was me. And, you know, we're, we're the same age. We, we knew all the same people, but we never met. We're drummers. So they only need one drummer in a band usually. So <laughs> it was just kind of funny. We just met later on. To cross paths all those years later and both of you be making drums. I mean, that's bizarre, honestly. Yeah. Do a lot of drummers wind up making their own drums later on in life? Is that something that people do? No. To build wooden drums, you have to have some woodworking skills. You need a shop. You need nice tools. And most people sometimes, you know, if they have difficulty changing a light bulb, then they shouldn't build drums. <laughs> yeah. So you, you need some woodworking skills to do it. I promise I'll never get into it. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's not as easy as it sounds. So flashing forward then, you made a whole bunch of drums that did not work. And yeah. then eventually they started to come together pretty well. Yeah. At what point did you make a sale? Who was your first customer? Well, um, I have a friend named uh, Eddie Travato, who's also a drummer. He's, he's like a brother to me. Uh, he would come over and he'd take the drum for a test drive, play it, and he'd give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down. And I always trusted his opinion on it. If it got a thumbs down, I go, oh, there's another one. <laughs> no, I try it again. And then, then after a while, I started, yeah, I like this one. I like this one. And then I just, um, it was a, uh, I can't remember his name, but a fellow from, um, from Washington State came up and he bought a drum set for me. And I thought, hey, this is cool. How do you hear about it? I put it on Craigslist. Oh, really? Someone bought a yeah. drum set off of Craigslist? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I had, oh, I, I've sold drums on Craigslist. Not, not so much any. I don't do it right now, but, um, but I had them on. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> I was just, <laughs> I, didn't know what, I didn't know what I was doing. So that was sort of your, your, first, your, your first foray into sales was posted up yeah. and say, hey, I got a drum set. It's handmade. Yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. one of a kind. You know, who's interested? And this guy from Washington said, yeah, I'll take a look at it. Did he actually come up and take a look at it or did you? Yep. He came up. He was, um, he was a retired GMC uh, automaker. And so he had a good pension. He had disposable income and he wanted something that was unique and different. And uh, then he bought it. Yeah. What do you think it is about handcrafted things that just sort of makes sense to some people and becomes an important thing for them? I think it's the uniqueness. I think uh, when you build something by hand, part of your soul goes into it. It's like when you play music, as opposed to listening to a drum machine, as opposed to listening to a real live drummer. The drummer puts his soul into it or her soul into it or any, any instrument for that matter. It's, I, I like things that are hand-built. Things that are built by machine, I mean, they're, they're fine. There's nothing wrong with them. Uh, don't get me wrong, but that's just a personal preference. I don't like things that are perfect. That, that bothers me. When you're building a set, I guess the first thing I want to know is, do you have plans? No. So you're doing this by feel. It's all in the head. Well, there are certain sizes that you have, but as far as the, what the drum will look like, I'll sort of see it first. Today, um, I was thinking about a drum set, and I think I'm going to build one out of uh, red oak, It'll be a 20-inch bass drum, uh, 12-inch rack tom, 14-inch floor tom, and then I'm going to stain it black with, uh, with chrome hardware. So I sort of see it, see it in your mind first, and then you build it. I got, I got too many drums in my head right now to be able to afford to build them all. For a lot of folks, 
thinking about a drum set is just thinking of that, that prototypical bunch of drums, cymbals, stands, a seat, and some sticks. What is it that's spurring you on to keep making slightly different or vastly different drums? Just what I, I look around what I see in, in nature. If I'm going for a walk with my wife, I'll see a tree. And I, I look at it and I go, well, that's kind of cool how that looks. And it'll just, it'll just spark an idea. And it may take me down a similar path toward what a tree looks like or just maybe um, divert me in many different directions. It's difficult to say which way it'll go. Or if I look at, um, or if I, even if I see another drum set out there and I will look at it and say, oh, that's kind of cool. What if, I, what if I do this or what if I do that? So that kind of goes uh, different, different directions. It seems to me that drum making, there's an artistic side to it that's probably not really well known. Yeah, I, I personally think everything is an art form, even from a mathematician who writes out a formula to uh, a, compu- uh, a computer coder who writes out code for a computer program. It, it's an art form. I, I mentioned in some of the questionnaires, my dad is a carpenter, uh, cabinet maker, learned his trade in Germany, and and uh, it was the old school where you have to, he did everything on a table saw, didn't have all the fancy tools, so he, you know, he taught me stuff to do that and his patience and he'll he would see things in his head and then he'd go and build it you know he, he might do a rough sketch on it and then go and build it measure twice cut once yeah that's uh, you <laughs> want to do that yeah <laughs> so he he taught me my he taught me my skills and um he always said uh, always use your head always use your head keep thinking about things keep thinking about things i think it, i think it drives my mom crazy because he comes up with new ideas and I have to say to him, Dad, you're going to have to live to 300 years old in order to finish up all your stuff. <laughs> what does he think of your drums? Oh, he likes them. Oh, he loves them. He does likes he play? that. I, uh, oh, no, no, <laughs> no. I think I'm the only one in my family that plays any instrument. Any, oh, really? Nobody else plays anything? You can't even, you, you don't have the, the Clem family band? No, I was the only one. It was in a, a grade five where they gave me, I remember this, uh, they gave you a test to see whether you have any musical aptitude. Not like they don't do that today anymore, but, and I did well. And I went through a list of um, instruments that I want to play. I disregarded all the ones that you blow into. I saw, <laughs> oh, wow, drums. I'm going to play those. I still have my first drum too. Really? Yeah, from 1972, yeah. Wow, which one's that? It's uh, Ludwig Standard. It's made by the company Ludwig, and the model name is Standard. And my parents paid $150 back in 1972 for it. So that was a lot of coin. And the person that sold it to him said, if you're going to get, if he's going to be serious about it, get him a good drum. It'll last forever. I still have it. I still play it. Do they regret buying you the drum after all those lessons, all that practicing in the house? <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. So I'm looking at your website and I'm seeing this beautiful kit that has a wood finish, like where I can actually yeah. see the grain. Yeah. Like that's a gorgeous kit. And I, honestly, I don't see that. Like, you know, if I go out and see music uh, pre-COVID and hopefully post-COVID days, I usually see, you know, really shiny finished, you know, it looks like the, the drum sets look like they're finished like a car is finished. Yeah. But this one isn't, it's got a matte finish and it's, and it's got this beautiful wood look. I mean, who's normally picking up a, a kit like this? Is this a rock kit? Is this a jazz kit? Uh, you wouldn't, you wouldn't find a metal drummer picking up a <laughs> kit like that. Um, or if someone who's a heavy player, I wouldn't recommend it. Um, but um, usually that would be a nice jazz kit. That'd be a nice jazz kit with the wood rims on there. Um, it's, it's a, I think that one's a 20 inch bass drum, 12 inch Tom, 14 or 14 inch floor Tom. It's kind of an all around kit, you know, like a all season tire, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, it, it all, it all depends. You know, if someone likes it, it's sort of like, um, 
Harry Potter, you know, when he goes get his wand, right? The, the wand chooses the wizard. <laughs> so it's, it's, and it's, it, it's sort of thing. You walk into a place and, um, uh, when I've been at, um, at festivals where I have my drums being displayed, uh, one person will go towards one snare drum, play it and go, yeah, that sounds great. Another person will go to another snare drum. So, oh, I love that one. It, it's so subjective. It's so subjective, you know, and my own personal kit is a walnut drum set because I just, I love walnut. But right now, walnut is outrageously priced because it's a commodity. And the other kit that I play is made out of ironwood and a bunch of other wood. And uh, I have some, uh, a kit made out of sapella, which is an African wood, one made out of old growth Douglas fir, and another walnut kit here. Tell me about the business side of things. I'm curious about the festivals. When you go out and sell these, what's your main method of actually uh, selling people? You don't have a storefront, I'm assuming. I have my drums. Uh, my drums are at a couple stores: uh, Rufus Drum Shop and Tapestry Music. Both in Vancouver. Uh, Tapestry has a store in Vancouver, and one the main store is in White Rock. And Rufus has a couple stores in Vancouver on Commercial Drive and Tenth and Alma. And how did you set that up? Is that like a consignment situation? Yeah, yeah. So you're paying for these drums. You you make them. You pay to make them, and then you put them in stores, and you take your cut, and the store marks up a little bit when they do the sale, right? Yeah. Yeah. How does that work? Like, are, are they pushing your stuff? Are they representing you well? I mean, how does that um, relationship kind of work? Oh, it, it, it's quite good. They, um, if, if they didn't like your stuff, they wouldn't take it. So um, I think consignment is good because they have a product there. They don't have to lay out capital for it. And uh, so and I get advertising. So it's sort of like a scratch your back type of thing. You scratch my back, I scratch yours. Yeah. But, but it, we have a good relationship. Consignment is how we used to do uh, sell our CDs for years ago when I played in bands. I think stores like that rather than have to, you know, buy it up front and then, uh, then, then they're forced to sell it because they have that, uh, that overhead hanging over top of them. And I don't mind, I don't mind doing that. They're, they're local people. Uh, Rufus is a local place. Uh, Tapestry is a local place. They're nice people that own it. And so any way to help them out as much as possible. Do you also take your wares on the road? Yes. Last, uh, February, a company called Drumio, which is a large, um, online drum lesson group based out of Chilliwack. They had a big festival here in Vancouver. So, uh, myself and Jeff Woods rented a, like a booth and we had our stuff there. So people were there a whole bunch of like all over the world came to this festival. I've also had, uh, the BCMEA with the British Columbia music educators association. Uh, they have a store there where teachers will buy drums. Actually, they never bought them for their school that it's usually a teacher where that would buy my drums for themselves personally. And then I have, I put on, um, it's come up my fifth year now or fourth year. I didn't do it last year, but the South Delta drum festival, I organize, I use local talent and, um, all the proceeds go to the high school music program because they have such a wonderful teacher there. And I want to, I want to support her as much as possible. And so it's kind of, you want to give back to the community. So my drums are out there and I'll auction off a drum. So people get to know it there, but most of it's through word of mouth. I'm not particularly good at flogging my goods or even, even doing this podcast is difficult because I don't normally <laughs> like talking about myself, even though I'm yapping away here like that. <laughs> I was always in front of a classroom of, you know, 30 kids. So I can, I can like BS with the best of them. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Using all your teacher skills and, and presentation oh, yeah. skills. Yeah. That's what I'm using right now. <laughs> well, what about when you can't get in front of people though? I mean, do you do a lot on social media? Yeah. What I do is I'll just, before COVID, I'll bring in other guys in and I'll just film them playing my drums. There uh, or right now, I've been just doing it myself, just 
play to some to play to some music or just do a, you know 50 minute solo i think that's the attention span of most people 30 seconds 30 seconds to a minute then they just they just pass right on by i get stuff like that and then um i got some uh one person that saw my drums in uh the store played them and loved the sound of them now he plays with them um richard brown he plays with a, a band called mad uh, mad rhythm anyway he's a he's a he's a sought after player great player what are you, where are you hoping to take this all um you know to be honest i don't know uh it's uh you know things could change um i'm just know that today i'm going to do try to live one day at a time i know that's kind of, those are kind of like cheesy phrases but uh it, it's true if i just think about today today i'm going to be teaching at four o'clock got a bunch of students coming in before that, I'll try to get a little practicing and I'll go to Costco with my wife to get a whole bunch of food for my kids <laughs> and right after the podcast. Right. Because, of course, you're celebrating your birthday today. Uh, yeah. Uh, go to Costco, celebrate my birthday. Yeah. <laughs> Got to get the birthday cake, bring it home, put the candles in yourself, and you know, then they'll all sing to you, I hope. Well, I'm not, I don't think we're going to have a cake. I've been laying off the sugar quite a bit. <laughs> as, as, as you get older, so many things change in your body that you just can't do anymore like you used to. You know, just, uh, man, it just, uh, even going for a run, you just takes a day to recover afterwards. Oh man. I tell you, it's just the, the problem with us guys, you know, uh, is that we, we think our brain is still at 18 years old, but our bodies are at 59 <laughs> and never the two shall meet. <laughs> so well, let me ask you something. Who do you make these drums with? I mean, is it just you making them in a shop and then you getting them out there or are you working with some folks? No, just by myself. Just yourself. So this is, this is your hobby. This is your thing you're doing. Yeah. To have anybody else in there that is, uh, unless it's a buddy of mine or my son or my, or any of my kids to do stuff, it's an insurance nightmare. And unless I know the person and I know they have skills on the power tools, no one touches my stuff because I'd hate to see something happen to them. No, I, I never mess with any of that stuff. I would say I'm, I'm really good with duct tape. You know, I can deal with a hammer and, you know, I've got an electric screwdriver, anything above that. I'm, I'm not doing, I had a tree removed from, from, uh, from my porch and they yep. had to leave a, a bunch of it in there. And a friend said, um, you know, if you want, you can borrow my, um, my chainsaw and I was yep. like, to do what with that, that the, <laughs> it's just going to live there now. I don't, I'm not playing with a chainsaw. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. That's a good thing. If you know your, know your limitations. So there's there are some things that I won't do that I just thought okay I'll let somebody else plumbing I hate plumbing I'll, I'll I just that just I'll we built we built a house and I wired the whole thing myself but plumbing forget it yeah drummer not a plumber yeah yeah drummer not shirt. a plumber yeah <laughs> plumbers plumbing scares me so let me ask you what advice might you give somebody who's interested in getting into the drum making game um, have a big bankroll I, I I don't know but um, the thing is uh, you're going to have to do a lot of trial and error. Uh, a lot of these custom drum builders, uh, they don't give up their secrets. And I was, I was told by my friend Ron, who's been in the business for 30 years, he says, don't give up your secrets. And he doesn't give up his secrets either. And I don't ask him. Why is that, though? Why is it so secretive? If it's something that um, is it's pretty expensive to get into, it's pretty involved to get into, what's so important about the secrets in drum making? Well, I, th I think it's because... Uh, if you put all this blood, sweat, and tears into something, then why should I give it away? If you want, if you really want to, if you really want to learn it, then learn it. It's sort of a, it's like uh, giving somebody a high school diploma or university diploma when they never go to school. It's uh, you want to, you got, you got to pay the dues, got to pay the dues. You know, there's no free ride here. And it's not that if someone asks a question, you know, um, if 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 my kid wants to build a drum, hey, I'll I'll do anything for that. 
if a stranger asks me about some stuff, I'll just say, well, you know, have a look around. <laughs> but if everyone says look around, then how does he find out the information he's looking for? Is there is there any resources that you would sort of uh, give to somebody to start them off? Oh, sure. There's tons of stuff on the internet. I mean, everybody who you know, sneezes or fries eggs, they put on YouTube, right? <laughs> how to sneeze properly while you're frying eggs. You know, it's all it's all on YouTube. It's so easy to learn stuff today. You know, we used to uh, lift tunes off a record to listen to what the drummer's doing. And it was a, it was a bonus if you're your 33 and a third record went down to 16. So you could slow it down and listen to what the person is doing. Now, if you want to see what a person is doing, you just YouTube it. And there's, you got some 19 year old kid that's got chops come out of his yin yang and he's doing it all right there. Oh, that's how you do it. Okay. It, it's so easy to do stuff now because everyone, everyone's doing it. Everyone's showing off what they're doing. And, uh, it's, uh, I, I'm just surprised how many like people out there trying to build their own drums. It's just like, Everybody's monkeys, uncles out there building drums, and, and that's fine. That's cool. Have you seen anybody doing some good work in that field? Oh, there's there's a lot. There's a lot of guys. There's um, there's a few guys um, down in the states that um, um, outlaw drums. They make really nice stuff. Predator Percussion. Uh, they're based out of the states. Uh, Cogs Drums. They make some like they're small little boutique guys like me, and they make some really really nice stuff. Uh, and and it's sort of and and they're in it for the long haul. Most most people. It's sort of um, like building a boat. Uh, the boat that I built took me three years to build. When you, when you build something like that, you don't go out there and to the shop say, well, I'm going to go build my boat tonight. No, I'm going to go out there and put a piece of wood on it. That's what I'm going to do. It's a commitment. It is. It's a, it's a commitment, and I, I love doing it, and I don't have to earn a living at it, so it's pure joy. And when I sell a drum, I put it in the bank account, and I take my wife out for well, you go on a vacation. So it's, so we use, we use the money and, uh, and I put it towards, uh, we do something with the kids, but like right, right now, no one's buying anything. No one's playing. So that's okay. It's okay. So I got, I got a little crap load of drums where you can see them over there. There's a whole bunch of drums there. Yeah. You're, you're set for when everything opens back up. Yeah. Um, and I'll just, um, there'll be a, a few more festivals out there that I'll go to. And I love sitting there talking with actual drummers, talking about drums. So, Rick, tell me, where can people find a little bit more about you? Uh, they go to Instagram, Clem Drums on Instagram. They can go to Clem Drums' uh, Facebook page and my website. Well, Rick, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing how you make a living. Yeah, that was great. I, I, I really appreciate you uh, telling about this. It was, it was good chatting with you. Subscribe to Making a Living Show on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts. For more on the show, visit makingalivingshow.com and follow along on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Making a Living Show is produced by Next Exit Media and hosted by me, Roby Levy. Thanks for listening.